Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to the Jen Lowry Writes Podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I have the honor of introducing Miss D.R. Busey. Now, I've got her bio here, which is absolutely amazing and intriguing, so I'm going to read it for everybody. So, D.R. Busey was born in Hazel, Kentucky, to a small-scale tobacco farmer and a stay-at-home mom. An avid reader, she quickly discovered the power of the written word and began writing poetry and short stories about herself in grade school, finding her inspiration in the culture and customs of the people around her. D.R. Busey will proudly tell you that one of her greatest inspirations has been her father. She found her genre, Southern historical fiction, when she combined her love of writing with her liking for history especially American history and the Civil War. D.R. Busey's debut novel, The Dark Side of Dixie, was released in March of 2017 by Mockingbird Lane Press to good reviews. A family saga love story. Miss Busey has recently finished her second novel, which we can't wait to hear about too, Arabella, because I love the concept of that book too, and is working on her third, so she's quite busy over there in her world of the South. A YA book is based solely on, loosely on her childhood growing up in rural Western Kentucky. When she's not writing, Miss Busey enjoys spending time with her friends and her three daughters, six grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. She lives in Paris, Tennessee with her cat, Callie, who is gonna be joining us, I'm sure, because she was already on the show before. <laughs> so Callie's with us, and so is Miss Diane. So everybody, welcome Miss Diane. Hey, Miss Diane, how are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I think Callie decided to take over the show. <laughs> That's fine, we love, we love it. So tell us, a little bit more about you because that bio that's your press release that's all of the really cool and interesting facts about you but tell us about you miss diane well um i write under dr Busey because um it seemed to work so well for jk rowling that i thought i would give it a try when she used Do her it. initials Do it. Model. Uh, model yeah <laughs> And I'm a Southerner born and bred, just like you. Uh, grew up in that small, small town of Hazel where everybody knew everyone else's business. Yeah. And um, I've lived here my whole, well, I moved to Tennessee when I was 17, so didn't move very far away from home. Right. Did you move to another small town or did you find yourself navigating to the big city? Oh no, Paris is a very small town too. <laughs> It's a little bigger than Hazel was, but it's a small town. Yeah, I miss my small town love. I miss it. I'm from a small town that has about 2,000 people. Well, 
I don't think I would. I mean, I like to travel and go to big cities and visit, but now I like to come back to my small town. I would not enjoy, I don't think, living in a large city. So when I go to Nashville, I'm a nervous wreck. The traffic's terrible. I can imagine. I live outside of Raleigh, and I don't even know the names of all the roads yet, and I've been here too long, and I just say, I'm on the big road. And my <laughs> which one? I'm like, the big one. It's the big one. Like, I'm from a one-stop-like kind of town, and this kind of living, but I will say it has opened up a lot of opportunities for me, and so I'm very blessed, but I hear you. I've, yeah. I've done that, too. So, I can see how that small town and that roots of that family and that community came through with the dark side of Dixie. Was that your inspiration? Was it kind of like a reflection of that? Well, I'm going to tell you how it came about. Uh, it, I think I said in my bio that I began writing very young when I was in grade school. And I always wrote about myself because that's what I knew, how to be Southern. <laughs> yeah. If we don't get anything else right, we can do that, right? <laughs> that's right. And I always knew that I wanted to write a novel. And, I, of course, I knew it would be about the South. So when I was in my early 20s, I hand wrote a novel, <laughs> I did, never did anything with it, put it in a box, it would stay there for years, and then I'd get it out every once in a while and read over it, and, uh, but I did begin pursuing, trying to get some of my essays and short stories and poetry published, and had some luck with that, so finally one day, I took out the novel, read through it, and I thought, ooh, this is awful. <laughs> This is really bad. So I, I trashed the whole thing, the whole thing, other than I kept two of the characters' names. And I spent the next seven years writing The Dark Side of Dixie. So and it is definitely... You didn't keep the plot? You didn't keep anything, the twist? No, no. But you, you wouldn't even know. It was complete. Two names, two names. Two of the main characters' names I liked, I kept. So you can't Billy Jean. Billy Jean and her dad's name, William. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That was my daddy's name. My daddy's name was William. And so what I do is that every book that I write, it's got to have somebody in my family in there. We've got to have family names. I just do what I have to. Did, did you know a Billy Jean? I have an uncle that was named Billy Jean. I have a dear friend whose name is Billie Jean, but neither the character in the book is not based on either one of them. They're both males and she was female and I didn't, the name came about when you read the book, combination of the father's name and the mother's name in the book. That's how it came about. And them thinking they were going to have themselves a little boy, and then it ended up being a little girl, and they're going, no, we're going to stick with it. And I love, I love the origin of names. Like, that matters so much to me when I'm crafting a character. Like, their name just has to have that. Oh, there's Callie. Look at there. She's like, I'm the star. Um, she thinks I'm crazy sitting here talking to myself on the computer. <laughs> she's taking a check on you. She's checking your temperature. You all right up there, mama? 
<laughs> but I, I love it. So tell us about this grade school writing life. Did you have a lot of support like in your family, like grade school writing life, or did you hide all of that? Well, my sixth grade teacher, she encouraged me. She told me, because I loved English class, the literature and the writing part. Didn't like the grammar part. Now I wish I'd paid more attention in the grammar part. <laughs> me and you both. I'm telling you, Miss Diane, we got so much in common. You keep on talking. <laughs> I, I really wish I had paid more attention to that part now. But anyway, she told me, she says, Diane, you have a way with words. And that was such an encouragement for me. And I knew right then that I wanted to be a writer. Um, I don't I don't remember really if my mom and dad knew that I was writing. I started out, it was a pastime. We lived way out in the country and my dad was in the field and my mother couldn't drive. She would never learn to drive. So we wasn't going anywhere during the week. So I learned to write as a pastime. And like I say, I began writing poetry and essays and short stories and stuff about myself. That's what I called it, myself. That's how it actually came about. Now, when I got older and was still writing, then my mom and dad knew about it. And uh, my mother was uh, very tickled. And my dad, he, he was a man of few words about things like that. The only he never really got to see any of my work other than a poem I wrote about him that people have absolutely loved. It's called Daddy Home from the Field. Oh. That's really the only thing in mind that he got to read. But uh, he was my inspiration. He was a true Southern gentleman. <laughs> I know his reaction to reading that poem, I know it was extremely special for him. It was. I could tell it really was. He he didn't say a whole lot, but I could tell. I could tell it. Uh, it really touched him. I could tell that it did. And so your love of poetry comes in the dark side of Dixie, too, because you have excerpts of some poetry pieces. Was that hard? Oh, yes. Was that hard for you to pick? Or did you know exactly what fit? Or did you go out researching and searching and reading a lot of poetry until it just came to you? How did that process work with you, inclusion, your inclusion of like Robert Frost and some of the poetry pieces? Um, with Robert Frost, I knew which one would work. I knew which one would, would suit. I think I had to research because, you know, The Dark Side of Dixie is in four parts spring, uh, summer, fall, and winter. I think the summer and fall, I had to research poetry that would fit there, but I knew, I, I knew in winter, I knew the Shakespeare, <laughs> I knew it would fit. So uh, some research and some I knew what I was looking for. And your love of history comes straight through. And you give us a history lesson, even down to talking about whiskey or the, the, the bootlegging and everything. So how much of that did you spend? You said you spent seven years working the dark side of Dixie. Was that mainly in the research phase? Was it the writing piece or was it a combination? Like, tell us about that research that you put into that because it's 
you're true to the historical fiction category like you claimed in that book. I can't even tell you how many hours of research, lots of research, just lots of research, many hours, many hours. Um, it probably wouldn't have taken me seven years had I been able to write four or five hours a day like I like to now, seven days a week, but I couldn't. I was working full time, taking care of my elderly mother, uh, trying to spend a little time with my children and grandchildren, and my friends just quit calling me. They knew that I wasn't going to go out to eat out for dinner. They was going to know I was going to say, oh, I'm writing. <laughs> so, but it probably wouldn't have taken that long, but it was finding time to myself to be able to create because you've got to be quiet and in a place to yourself and not somebody running in and out or the phone ringing or whatever, in order, or I, at least I do. I need quiet when I'm going to write. <laughs> so that's probably what took so long is because I didn't have that many hours every day that I could devote to it. And with your research, did you do interviews, libraries, historical societies, research just on the internet, videos? What would, what would be like your tip for other authors out there who are maybe intimidated about the research process? Uh, I put in, I think I put in my, um, the first page, uh, my forward there, I said, thank God for Google. That's true. <laughs> thank God for Google. I did a lot of that. I did use the library. I did go to historical sites. Uh, I was not, I don't think, I might have done some live interviews. I believe with some of my friends that, uh, my, even though my dad was a farmer, a lot of the things I had forgotten about raising tobacco. So I did do some live interviews with some of my close friends that used to farm and raise tobacco. So I did some live interviews and about the coon dogs, uh, I had a gentleman that raised and used to breed uh, Walker coon dogs and I did do an interview with him. So I guess I did some of all of it now that I think about it. <laughs> but I think that that's what adds authenticity and credibility to the work. It adds a depth to the work because it shows that you put in that time and that care to create that setting and that scene. And so when you're experiencing it, it's as if you are there in it. Yes. I've had people tell me that, that when they read the book, that they felt like they really knew these people. And that's what I wanted. I wanted you to feel like these were your next door neighbors. And like, even like with the family meeting, like when the family meeting is called, I mean, you've got things that have happened in my families. Like we've had those serious, we got to have the sit down talk family meetings. I can't give away your book. You guys got to read this book. But I'm telling you, you, you truly hit like a winner with this book. Thank you. That makes my heart sing. <laughs> And you, you have received good reviews, and I've seen your press releases, and um, you've worked in papers, you've been out there on the internet. Um, how about going to events? Have you been doing a lot of events or talking about it or spreading around at festivals? What have you been doing as far as your promotion with the book? Well, other than social media, I haven't been able to do 
uh, as much as I would like. But if the Lord's willing, and as I say, the creeks don't rise, and here as much rain as we've had, that could happen. <laughs> I plan to attend the Southern Festival of Books in Nashville this October. Ooh. And, uh, Yes, I feel like I have been told that is a really good place to showcase your work. I have a booth and I will have my books there for sale. And yes, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping everything holds together and that comes to fruition. And do you have a lot of nervous excitement around that? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think my biggest fear is we won't find a parking place. I think parking in Nashville is at a, it's at a premium. So we may have to walk and carry these boxes of books a long way. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be better set up. Get you one of them push carts. Get you a pull cart. Yes. Get you a wagon. <laughs> if I find out that the parking is not close by, I probably will have to get one of the little pool carts because packing those books can get heavy real quickly. So what type of challenges? I know you said the finding the time was a challenge. Um, and I think a lot of authors, there's many of us that struggle with that same challenge. But what are some of your other challenges that you face that you've had to overcome? Has it been with the, the writing, like you said, the grammar, you wish you'd pay more attention. I heard you say that. Um, mm -hmm. Publishing piece. What were some challenges for you? Well, uh, a big challenge right now is trying to secure a literary agent. The cold querying has profited me nothing. <laughs> so that would really be, I think, a big help in promoting my books if I could secure a literary agent. Um, other than that, um, I think one thing is, um, even though, as I told you, I'm not a Christian writer per se, but I'm a writer that is a Christian. And I always worry that I will write something or quote something from the Bible, even though I always have my Bible right beside me when I put a passage in, but I don't want, I, I worry that I will misrepresent or misquote something that will mislead someone or, or cause, or be a pitfall to someone. I, I struggle with that. And I also struggle with, um, I would never want to do or say anything that would disparage the name of the Lord. And uh, um, it's, kind of a fine line you have to tread between what's too much and what's not enough to to put in. So that's a struggle, but uh, I think the more you write, the kind of the better you get with it and you kind of realize what works, what doesn't. Uh, it just experience like anything else. I'm going through the beta reader process right now with my book that's gonna be released in September. And I was having the same conversation yesterday with my writer friend who's gonna, who is beta reading with me. And I was like, I don't want it to come across too preachy. Right. Because it's a YA book and it's a girl who is not a believer, but she comes to know the Lord. I'm just giving a spoiler alert right now on my book. <laughs> but as a writer, you have to say, what would those authentic relationships look like when people are first discovering the Lord and do you want to represent that conversion process 
in a way that would bring honor to God. And so, you know, I, I feel like that too is, you know, like the conversion piece. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm proud you understand what I mean. Uh, when you write, you have to write honestly. If you don't, your reader will know it. And you have to be the voice of the good and the bad side of humanity. So that is where you have to decide what's too much and what's not enough. But as you said, uh, you, you want to show the character before and after if you can or how the process came to be. And let's face it, there's a lot in life that's not pretty. It's not pretty. It would be nice if we could all live in a bubble and nothing bad ever happened and we didn't have to encounter the uglier side of life. But I haven't found a way for that to be possible. But, and I see that Billie Jean went through a similar thing where she had to accept, she had to move, she had to go forward. And tell me one about grandma and grandpa's relationship. Um, all you had early, all you had me laughing, completely <laughs> and crying. And cra like, where did these characters? Like, they are characters. They are characters. <laughs> the inspiration for Grandma and Grandpa. Well, I guess uh, the characters is not based on one specific person. But they are a combination of people that I knew through my life growing up. And um, I knew I knew some couples that uh, maybe one, usually the woman was the believer and the churchgoer and the man was not so much so. <laughs> and, and they would say, they would say, it's not that I don't believe in God, but that preacher just wants my money. That's all he wants is my money. <laughs> I know a few people like that. The exchanges that they had, I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, tell me too. Okay, you got your next novel coming up, so it's already written because I read previously that it was something that you were working on. So that was an old thing I found on the internet. So it's completely done. Arabella. It is. So we've got Arabella. Well, I guess some people would call it a Southern ghost story. Because you know, the South, is, the South is full of ghosts. It's from the past that sometimes refuse to stay buried. <laughs> and it's historical fiction, but it has a supernatural thread, supernatural suspense thread woven through it. Uh, it's not really about ghosts, but it is about spirits. So I'm going to leave it right there. And not go, huh? You talking about hooking me and reeling me in for that book? Because that's my stuff. If I want to say it, that's my junk. Now, I love the supernatural, the horror. That's my next series. I'm actually doing one right now. You're going to love Arabella then. <laughs> I cannot wait. When are you going to release it? What is your plan? Well, like I say, I have been trying to get a literary agent so that hopefully I could get a bigger publishing house because I know there's a whole lot more promotion with one of those. Uh, uh, I went with the small publishing house because 
I had been seven years writing the book, another two editing and editing, and I thought, I want to live to see this book in print, so I went with a smaller publishing house, but uh, I, I, I would like to have an agent so that I could um, maybe get a better book deal and get a larger publishing house to publish it, because they would help a lot with the promotion. I've done everything I know to do, but I feel like there's so much more that needs to be done on the dark side of the Dixie. Uh, I, I think it would even do better than what it's done if more people knew about it. Right. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, the publicity plan really is on our shoulders to carry that out. Yeah, it is. And, and that is a lot of stress on an author. It is. It is. Like the main thing I want to do is I want to sit in front of my computer and write all of these <laughs> characters, get them out of my hand so that I can get a new cast of characters to come into my life and, and stick around with me for a few months. And it's like, but I'm always having to split brain myself, worrying about public, you know, the publicity and the marketing and the social media. And then you've got, where's the writing? You got to write. So how have you, like, how have you balanced your social media? What are some tips for your social media networking? Well, I have a Facebook page. I have a Twitter page. I have a website. Uh, I have an author page on Amazon. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's all I can think of. And I try to work all of them to the best I can to, to promote it, but it's just like you said, uh, when I first started writing, I never even thought about the other end of the spectrum. I just was thinking about writing, getting the book done, and then, boy, was it a shock when I realized that all this other had to come into play, getting it published, promotion, like you say, the social media part, everything. <laughs> it's a shock to your system. But you're still, so I heard you say earlier that before you would have loved to write a sustained four to five hours a day like you're doing now. So you drop that little, you're doing that sustained writing now. Is that what your process is? Are you taking that time and setting yourself up a schedule? Uh, I try to. If somebody doesn't mess my schedule, <laughs> I like to write. Yeah, that happens, you know, especially since I'm retired now completely, completely. I was working part-time. I retired from full-time in 2013, and but then I went back and worked part-time for another three years. But as of December 31st of last year, I hung that up. I said, enough of that. So now I, it's easier to, to balance all of it. I can write when I need to still have time for my family and friends and for my church activities. I don't write, right now I'm not writing four to five hours a day. I was until I finished Arab. Uh, the young adult novel, I am working on it, but I don't, I'm not putting four or five hours a day into it right now. That's not to say that I won't in the near future. I kind of tried to rest up a little bit after Arabella and, um, so I, I very well could be about four hours a day is really enough to 
be able to create because after that time I get tired and I can tell that I write something stupid and the next day I have to go back and delete it and start all over again. So really three to four hours a day is really enough for me, for my brain <laughs> to have to create. And the, the one thing I get from my colleagues, cause I'm working the full-time job, I work at a high school and they'll say, how do you do this? How are you keeping up with everything? I'm seeing you on social media. I'm watching you this. I'm doing, seeing you do this. I'm like, do you want to talk about sleep or no sleep? Because then we can have a different kind of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> this life is, if you know, if you're passionate about something, though, you're going to find ways to make it work. Yes, you will. You will. But it is hard because I have been where you are now. You're still young, and I'm sure you've got a young family. And, and yeah, <laughs> well, you're a lot younger than me. Well, you're a lot younger than me. I'm, me? To, I'm 43, about to turn 44. And hey, I'm, you have, I have children your age. <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm not gonna believe it. But you are. Oh, I do. So you worked over 30 years as a nurse. 33. 33 years. I would like to have been writing all that time, but you know, I, I wanted to keep electricity on and food in the house. You've heard a starving artist while well, I was a starving writer if I'd have been trying to make a living doing it. But you did keep up with your short stories and your poetry. Yes. Yes. Now, are you looking at publishing any poetry works or do you use that for your website or do you, do you keep up and publish any of your work on any of your platforms? That's your, the poetry work. There is several. Um, I know there's two or three of my poems on my website and my essay, uh, the perfect Christmas, which has been published before in a magazine. And it's about my dad. Um, and it's nonfiction. It's true. Uh, it's on my website. Um, and the ghost dog of Mason Road, a short story of mine is on my website. You would like that since you like ghost stories and suspense. You would like that. And it's actually based loosely <laughs> on something that happened in my childhood. I embellished on it a little bit. <laughs> Well, we cannot wait to read that one. I am going to, then I'm going to email you and tell you all what I think about it. Because, of course, you're getting a five-star review. On the <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That just, you just don't what that means to me. Because it's just, it is the South done with perfection. Like, you're writing, too. Your writing style. I love it. It's like you're in the living room with me, and you're just talking about a family story. Did you hear about this? I got to tell you about this part of my life. It's like we're having a conversation. That's the way I write. And, in fact, there's a, there is a review on my um, author's page on Amazon that some lady that that I did not know that had, um, I don't know how she come to know about, but probably from one of my social media sites, I don't know which one, but she said, um, I'm about to lose you, there you are. Uh, she said that I felt just like that I was sitting down in my 
house with her in my kitchen table, you know, drinking coffee, having a conversation with her. And that that's what I strive for. That's the way I write. That's that's just the kind of books I like to read, so that's what I like to write. Did you have any models? Did you have any other Southern writers that you modeled after, or did you stay away from that and just kind of zone in and it's you and the computer? Or did you really model yourself? Well, I don't, well, yes and no. Uh, some of my favorite writers are the ones of days gone by. Harper Lee was one of my favorites. And somebody gave me the greatest compliment when they said, your writing reminds me of Harper Lee. And I was just, oh, my heart just sang. It was just, I said, boy, is that a compliment. But also, uh, Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. That was one of my favorites. I think one of my very favorite writers was Marjorie Kennan Rawlings. I think I wrote, I mean, read everything she ever wrote, but maybe one book. Uh, she was, yes, <laughs> she was, yeah, uh, of course, you know, she wrote The Yearling, Cross Creek, Jacob's Apples, Gold, yeah, Golden Apples and Jacob's Ladder. Uh, so, yes, in a way, maybe I knew I wanted to write in that style, in that vein of thought, in that feeling, in that you're sitting down on the front porch talking to someone about the gossip in the community, you know, I wanted it to feel like that. So yes, in a way, I guess I did maybe model my writing after all of those. And Carson McCullers, I liked her. So the heart is a lonely hunter. So yes, I guess I did in a way. I knew I wanted to be like them. <laughs> but you said too, you wrote in the way that you love to read. Right. And that was some of my favorite reading. But in modern day, I love John Grisham, you know. <laughs> uh, a Time to Kill. Oh, I do. I love John Grisham. A Time to Kill was one of my favorites well all of his was good really i mean you can't go wrong with any of his but uh yeah i wanted to write something that i knew i would enjoy reading and uh, dark side of dixie is what came out <laughs> and that you're proud of producing and that yes. you know that it was a heart book it was a book from your heart yes yes it was it was um when I was creating that story at night, when I would lay down, it seems like, and try to go to sleep, that is when all the great thoughts and ideas would come to me. I would have to get up sometime and write them down because I was afraid that I would forget them before the next morning. I have even logged in on my computer and written some of it down. <laughs> But it, it it just came. It, when when it started, it just, it just flowed. I mean, really, it did. Once the story began, although when I was over halfway through with it, I changed the ending. <laughs> I did. I sure did. 
But you know, you have heard it said that when you create characters and you give them a voice, that they will take over the story and they will tell it themselves. And they did, and they told the ending how it would end, not me. So did you have the outline already prepared and you were just kind of going through chapter outlines to chapter 44, yes. and then you were like, okay, when I get to chapter 44, this is what's gonna happen. Yes. And then all of a sudden, right smack in the middle, they said, ha, huh, surprise, I'm gonna show you. Well, it's just, I, I just knew that, yes, that it was not going to end the way I thought it was going to. It just wasn't going to. <laughs> Do you actually remember, because this is a funny thought. Do you remember where you were when they battled against your plan? Were you in a particular place? Were you laying down in that bed at night and couldn't get your mind to rest? Or were you in the middle of writing and they just said, no, this is how we're going to go with this? Do you remember that process when it switched like that for you? I think I was in the middle of writing a scene between Billie Jean and one of her suitors when I realized, no, it's not going to end the way I thought it did. I think I was in the midst of, of writing one of those scenes. But I tell you what did come to me one night, I had written quite a bit of the book, or I had the outline done and I couldn't come up with a name that I liked and it's the same way with my characters I'll try one thing and it just thought no it just doesn't fit that character you know and then I'd change it and I would keep going until I would find a name that would well it was the same thing with the book I had several different I think one of the names I thought was uh where the whippoorwills fly um I forget what the other one was but I was in bed one night and it just hit me. It just came to me, the dark side of Dixie. It couldn't have been anything else. It had to be that. And so that's the patient piece of you where you knew it was gonna eventually come or did you stress about, oh, I've gotta have the perfect title or did you just kind of release it out to the Lord and say, when it's time, it's gonna happen? Well, I think, I did stress about it at first, but I was confident that when the title was right, I would know it. That when the right one came along, I would know it. And it's the same way with my characters. Uh, I do the same with in every piece I write. I may try one name and I may keep it in there for a while, but all the time in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, that character, that name's just not right. And then eventually it'll come to me what the name needs to be for that character. And it was the same way with the title for the book. So tell me about your next books. So I know you wanting the literary agent. So are you- Well, it'd be nice. <laughs> are you, like, what is your query schedule like? Are you setting up a spreadsheet and saying, I'm querying this many people a day? Do you have a goal? Are you trying to be patient with the responses? Like, what is your, what's your plan for that process? Well, I queried, oh goodness, 
probably 50 or more at the first of the year because I thought that would be good a time to get mine in. And I heard back from some of them and some of them I didn't. So I, I don't know. It seems like that most of them, they want a referral. They want you to be referred to them by someone or they want to meet you at a book conference or uh, something. Yeah, so maybe when I go to Nashville this fall, maybe maybe there will be some agents there and I will meet one. I don't know that for sure. I don't know the lineup of who's going to be there, but maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and then maybe you'll just have an author that's sitting at a booth beside you and you can say, hey, I've got the dark side of Dixie. Who's your agent? Tell me your agent. That would be... <laughs> That would be nice <laughs> if they would share with me. Yeah. You can start dropping them business cards. You can start networking mm -hmm. with authors too. Uh, and I have done that. I have. I have uh, joined some uh, authors' pages on uh, Facebook uh, and different things like that. So maybe out of all of this, one will come along my way. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I'm ready to read that story, so I'm going to be praying for one to come up and connect with you soon. If you're wanting Please to go, do. if you're wanting to go that traditional publishing route, um, I will be praying for for that to happen, for those doors to open for you. So, I appreciate it very much. So, for for writing, you've got the YA. You're trying to query. Do you have a timeline for the YA? Have you outlined it? So you're an outliner. You like to do the, the pantser or the architect. Do people call it different things in the writing community? But have you outlined the YA book all the way out? Actually, it started out as a short story. So I have gone back and now I am making it into a full-length novel. So, yes, you could say it has been outlined. It's just now it's a matter of making it into a longer story. Instead of a short story, making it into a novel, to a novel length. So, yeah, I have to outline just a little bit. I, I like to kind of and like I say, that don't mean I won't change it. I can outline it, and that's not that doesn't mean it's not going to change somewhere down the way. Uh, I generally do a rough outline anyway of everything. And I've never done that. I do that in my nonfiction work, but in my fiction work, I'm what they call a gardener. I just kind of say, okay, let's go, and I just start t typing away. Um, but I appreciate the outline because I understand the structure and the process that's needed to actually get that plot just going along and the pace. I think it helps with pacing. It does. And I tell you one reason why I have to do it is because uh, most of when you write historical fiction or when you write historical period, you got to be sure you've got your timeline right. I guess you saw somebody said, I don't watch the Game of Thrones, but in the Game of Thrones the other night, the final season, they had a Starbucks cup sitting in one of the scenes. <laughs> yes, they did. You're saying, because he watches Game of Thrones. It was on, it was, they said they did. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't kind of have a rough outline, you'll have your timeline all messed up and, uh, you'll be having something in there that hadn't even been invented yet. <laughs> so, well, so true, that's kind of one reason I do it. 
that is true. That's, tr that's true yeah. for anything because, you know, you can get so caught up in the story that you can kind of forget the small little details that you might be yes. in there. And then th there's your credibility right there. It's kind of like shocked. That, that's exactly right. The one person won't remember the romance or the drama. They'll remember the Starbucks coffee pot <laughs> scene. That, that's right. That's dropped in there by accident. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I might be inspired by you to do a little bit more of that um, with one of my new books because I'm going to be working on a serial killer book soon and I'm thinking that maybe I need to be doing some of that outlining so that way I can get the timeline right especially with switching point of view and doing all of that kind of new stuff that I'm trying to dabble with. Um, so maybe I, I love that. I love the serial killer thing. Is it going to be nonfiction? Is it based on a real serial killer? So it is not. It's just because just this serial killer that's roaming around that I got to get out of my head and um, it's going to be set at a college. So mm -hmm. it would be a college student. It's not, um, the murders don't take place at the college, but it is a college student. So it's uh -huh. time stepping outside of YA and going into that new age category where it's like the 18 to 30 year olds. So my target audience is going to expand a little bit. So mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous about jumping out of my YA love because I'm so involved in the young adult world, you know, teaching high school, I'm a literacy coach in the YA world. My children, I homeschool at night, and so I've I got a 16 and a 12-year-old, almost 12, and we're doing all YA work, really. So jumping over, I'm a little intimidated, but I'm going I'm to take it as a challenge and go forward. I've, I've, it sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm anxious to read it. But I know what you mean about going out of your comfort zone. Um, see, I've never written a young adult book before, and I have to be careful that I don't go too much over to the dark side. <laughs> It's kind of, I have to be careful that where, where I'm going with it. Remember, now this is supposed to be a young adult book, you know. So, um, yeah, I know what you mean. This is kind of a challenge for me, too. And I've tried to do something that, have you ever written in third person present tense? No, I have not. I kind of stay away. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that this was a good idea and I may end up completely changing it because it's been, I, I read somewhere that that was supposed to be the easiest way to write. I'm thinking, no, it's not for me. So I may completely change this. It, it may not end up this way when I get through with it because it's been difficult for me to so do this. Is, so is that the piece that's changed other than the YA audience, the, the way that the, the POV, the style that you pick is different than what you're used to from. Yes. And so maybe that is, maybe that is a signal that's saying, go back to that, what you love, just because you read that on the internet, you know, that says it's not always true. Well, it can, no. be, it can be true for those authors that, you know, work better in that style. I think we all have our own style and we become a part yes. of and I know that we can stretch ourselves and we can always grow and we can always try new techniques. But if we're coming up against brick walls, 
maybe that's the indication, well, hey, let me try a scene in another way and let me see how this scene works. Maybe it's meant to be this way and see if it's easier, see if it flows. Yeah, I think that it would probably flow a lot more quickly <laughs> if I went back to, to my usual style, yes, and, and I very well may do that. That's a very good uh, indication that I may. But, like I say, I haven't really gotten into uh, writing as much on uh, the Mud Princess of Cherokee Creek as I probably will in the next few weeks. So I can't wait. I loved the title. I heard you drop that title in there. That was a good one. <laughs> I, I like it. So we know what's next for you. You're going to be busy writing, spending time with family and friends, getting ready to go to the big Nashville con the big Nashville book convention. Look at you. So, yeah. <laughs> so excited about that. Um, I wish you such, such success and all that you go after and seek after because I can tell you find just pure joy in the riding. I do. I really do. It's like you said, when you, you said about the serial killer that you've got in your head, that's the way it is when you write. You get a story in your head and you have got to sit down and write it, or I do. Yep. It'll drive you nuts if you don't. <laughs> Yep. It's like unfinished business. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask you something. You said it took you two years to edit, seven years to write, two years to edit. Yes, it was too long. It was 170,000 words when it was first finished. And for first time manuscripts, first time publishing your debut novel, about 120 is most that any publisher wants. So there had to be a lot of editing. It didn't change the story. It just changed the wording. But I mean, the story stayed the same. I didn't delete any, any of the characters or any of the things like that, but I just had to say the same thing in less words. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you have an editor for that that helped coach you and guide you along or did you take on that task and champion your work on your own? Well, I did have an editor that, that edited it. Uh, I can't really tell that they did all that much. So I, a lot of the editing I did myself and then the publisher, they edited it three more times after they took the manuscript. So it got a lot of editing. <laughs> and that's the, I think that's the piece too that I was unaware of how many people are involved in the publishing process and mm -hmm. all of the rounds that it takes because, okay, you're ready for my country title, Sweet Potato is the name of one of my characters and her last name is Jones. And so Sweet Potato Jones is gonna be coming out in 2020 through a traditional publishing company, but it was originally set to come out in 2019. Mm -hmm. Because we're in these rounds of edits and we're on the publishing, you know, timelines and the printing timelines. Now we're looking at 2020 for that baby to come out. So I, I understand exactly. The dark side of Dixie, the publisher had first thought she could have it ready and 2016 so I could enter it in the 
contest at the Southern Festival of Books, if you have a debut novel that has been published in that year, you can enter it in the contest to see if it wins best debut novel. They pick it at the Southern Festival of Books. And she said that they love, just love Southern historical fiction. But because of the editing and all of that, it wasn't ready. It didn't get ready and it didn't come out until 2017 and it was too late to enter it then. So yeah, I understand about that. <laughs> how did you how did you keep your patience through all of that? Because I need some prayer over that. You can be my prayer warrior over there, Miss Diane. Like how did how did you stay kind of centered in all of that? I'm not sure that I did. I'm like you. I had to do a lot of praying. I, I wouldn't say that I was very. <laughs> it was like, it, it was stressful. <laughs> it was stressful, but I just had to keep telling myself, it will be when it will be. You know, it will come when it comes. <laughs> and I keep saying it's going to be in God's timing and all of That's this is meant exactly for right. And it's all meant for my good. Just That's like exactly right. It will be in his time and in his way. That's kind of the way I feel about the agent. It will be in his time, in his way, and with whoever he thinks is best. <laughs> and so when you first received your copies of The Dark Side of Dixie, and you got to hold that book in your hand. How was that experience for you? After all of these years, since grade school? I think I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. It was just, oh, it was just wonderful. It was just wonderful to see my name on that book. <laughs> it's, it's grand. It really was. It was grand. It was probably one of the happiest things that's ever happened to me to see that book in print. Now, if I could just see it up on the big screen, that would be. <laughs> hey, dream out loud and dream big. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I believe it 100%. The Lord has been working miracles and it's because we're speaking it out and we're asking in faith. So, right. So go right on. So I'm just one. It's just such an honor to have you here with me. I've and, enjoyed it. And when I hear, you know, the author's story, everybody has such a unique story. But we all share so much together that when we're talking, it's like, yeah, oh, I'm not alone. I, I feel you, oh, and, and I just have this, like a heart sigh when I get to speak with you because I feel like, you know, you get me, like you understand, and then you've been before me, and now I'm like, okay, my day's coming too. My day's coming too. It, it, do, it does really authors and writers to get together and be able to talk so that you know that other people have been through what you're going through. It does. It, it makes me feel good too because even though I have a lot of supportive friends uh, that love the book, they don't really understand the getting to that point of them getting to read the book. They don't realize what all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting that book in their hand. Like so, yes, I, it is. 
the it hours, is wonderful to talk with other authors, yes. And the hours and hours of research that you put into it. And just the whole, the mental energy that it took for you to craft such a lengthy novel, but then say it with such a punch that you have to keep reading and you can't stop reading and you want to see. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me on here and letting me. <laughs> so I would love it if you would tell everybody your favorite Bible verse. Well, it's one that I read over to myself every day, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> That's the only way I ever got to where I'm at right now is through his help. Sometimes I would sit here at this computer when I was writing The Dark Side of Dixie and just cry, just break down and cry. And I'd say, Lord, I just don't think I've got the strength to finish it. But he gave me the strength and I did finish it. And daily sustained you to be able to carry out his work, to carry out his work through that book. Yes, that I feel that is my ministry. There's a lot of things that I don't have the talent to do, but I can in my writing show my faith and my love for the word of God. And I feel like that's just what I was meant to do, what I was supposed to do. Besides nursing, I felt like I was meant to be a writer. <laughs> Gave me goosebumps, Miss Diane. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit goosebumps. <laughs> but I, I know the feeling and I share it too. And I just I just want to say thank you for stepping out in faith and not letting anything hold you back and that you just keep pushing forward and calling on that, on that Bible verse. So you call out your Bible verse every day. You read that verse every day. Oh, I, I read it over in my mind numerous times a day. <laughs> it's always been one of my, one of my favorite. Just, and I have to tell my, I mean, I have a lot of self doubt. That was one thing that helped me back so many years with self-doubt. So I need to read it over every day. And remember, yes, I can do all things through him when he strengthens me. Yes, I can. Including this author business and writing the next books and promotes yes. the books that you have. Yes. And letting <laughs> Arabella next. <laughs> yes. Next. <laughs> But I just, I just want to say, just again, what a pleasure it was. And I'd love it if we could just close out by saying, just thanks for joining me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast. And thanks for being here with me and Diane as Diane got to share her story. So now you go out and you write something inspiring today and you share it with the world. So God bless y'all and God bless you, Miss Diane. God bless you and thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine.
If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my homeschool families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year Challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way you can grab one. You can gift them with a friend. You can share them out on your sites. And people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you.